more than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk to fashion icon Daphne Guinness. When it comes to my most beloved personal style icons, few can hold a candle to English socialite Daphne Guinness. An heiress of the famed Guinness Brewery family and a close friend and muse to such fashion legends as Karl Lagerfeld, Alexander McQueen, and Isabella Blow, Daphne's sartorial choices over the years have been nothing less than magnificent. Ten years ago, she caused a real sensation when pieces from her personal wardrobe went on display at New York's museum at FIT. Tom Ford called her one of the most stylish women living. Beyond celebrating great design, Daphne's inimitable style has demonstrated a kind of coveted confidence and her bold salutes to artistry never fail to inspire. And she's a true artist herself. The 54-year-old couture collector has designed clothing, collaborated with such photography greats as Nick Knight, David LaChapelle, and Stephen Klein, produced, directed, and acted in film. And she's a musician as well, currently working on a new album with famed David Bowie collaborator, Tony Visconti. I suppose you could call Daphne Guinness a Renaissance woman of the highest order. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, she's refreshingly down to earth. Daphne Guinness, welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters. I am so over the moon to have you on this podcast, to be able to talk to you. Uh, The moments we've shared in the trenches of fashion and uh, the history that we've had witnessing that amazing era. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, it's a very different place now. Yeah. Oh, have yeah. you been, have you been watching any of the uh, the couture shows that that have been you know streamed online? I've been writing a record. I'm in the middle of writing a, another album. So, but I haven't I haven't seen much. But I I'll, I will have a look. I am actually thrilled to hear that uh, you do have a very solid life beyond uh, that world yeah. of fashion, and you're putting together a new album. Yes, it's my fourth album with Tony Visconti. Wow. And wow. yeah, but it's sort of more than one album. I mean, it's kind of two albums. It's symphonic, takes all the themes from the first, first three and expands them and the same themes. I mean, I started this after after FIT. You know, I, I've got to take you back. Why? I mean, I was always a musician. So I am um, like the way I got through my life, which was in at times rather, you know, eventful, shall we say, um, was listening to music. But also I was supposed to... Um, study it and I got married instead and and I I didn't but which is a good thing because I'm sort of self-taught um but I carried on with always singing and I was always listening to classical music kept kept me sort of level-headed through all those sort of years of sort of everything actually since I was very very little after FIT it all became a bit too much after the deaths of Alexander in particular and Isabella I decided that I'd sort of I'd step out you know and um I'd sort of that was my kind of final word on on fashion and um I sort of thought I'll I'll go to the middle of Ireland I've been I've been sued I've been persecuted I've been stuff 
hounded. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be the next person to commit suicide. I know there was a sort of mark on my back for a time. Everybody thought, when is she going to do it? <laughs> I thought, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, so I, I went to, to the middle of Ireland after my brother died. I, I was going to do a, um, a Bob Dylan song in his memory with a, my old bass player, guitar friend, hippie in Cadiz, where I grew up, and um, he never showed. So I was sitting there with this producer in Ireland, sort of, you know, thinking, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And so I started making things up. Wow. Yeah. And so one song turned into another song that turned into another song. And then I realized it was something. And I got in touch. I tried to get in touch with Tony Visconti because I liked the sound of his records. And what I didn't know is that David Bowie had already had a word with him and told him to sort of see me. So that was cool. So he, Wow. That's he, a pretty good reference there. It was a very good reference and he was a very, very good sort of ghost producer on the first album. And I miss him tremendously. I mean, he was such a kind of, he was such a fantastic man. I mean, really, seriously. I mean, incredible. I was so lucky. I mean, I mean, I couldn't, I, it was, it was quite daunting actually when he showed up the first time in the recording studio. He was so nice. He was so nice. It was just the best. And so, I mean, you know, I had him and he was, and Tony and, you know, he was so sort of, I suppose he Maybe it's because I was, he saw me, I was, because I'm an outsider. I was a sort of total outsider. I mean, you know, everybody written me off as, as this or that or the other all my life. Mm. He changed my life um, because it was going the wrong way. I mean, it was, it, it looked all beautiful from the outside, but it wasn't, it wasn't so great. Going, you know, I was really, really upset. And I, I found the fashion, you know, it was, it was extremely difficult. Just, it just seemed to be a sort of long round of funerals. But we had a lot of fun, you and I, and we always saw each other. I, I had such a strange position in the fashion world because I wasn't an editor and I wasn't, I was a client or a collaborator or a friend or something, you know what I mean? It, but Daphne, you were such such a luminary and really, really such a guiding light for so many trying to make sense of the scene and trying to understand how fashion really can and does empower one. It you, does. In a good way. You were certainly one of my mentors because I would see you walk into the shows. That was definitely part of the show. And, you know, in those days, of course, the front row, the front row is always a great part of the shows. But you, I mean, it was like you were on this pedestal and it wasn't that you put yourself there. And and I must say for (laughs) everyone that hasn't had the, the incredible pleasure of knowing you personally, you certainly are a very humble person. But the way that you would support the fashion artists slash designers on the scene um, and the way that you made us understand the, the you know, the glory of fashion. Uh, you said something once that I use all the time now. Um, you told me once that we humans are the only creatures on the planet to wear clothes, to get it's dressed true. up. And I think about that so much about how fashion does humanize us. Yes. At the end of the day. Uh, do you know what? I said that last night to my friend. I said, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're a cat or a dog, you can't dye your hair. You can't make a decision to sort of, you can't decide, you know, I mean, maybe they, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a cat. <laughs> so I, I would say, it's funny. It's something I've always thought of. Yeah. You can use fashion as so many things because, because I mean, I come from a, you know, a background of some literature and reading books. And so for me, it was, um, it was about creating different characters and also, but also I like the, weirdly, I had a kind of, 
I mean, and, and sort of Carl knew about it, but what I, I had a sort of second line going of my own at Chanel, which was, you know, so what I do is I take a piece of that and a, some of embroideries of this, and then I'd get them to sort of do something else. <laughs> it was a long process of getting to know all the craftsmen. And I know that that can sound, you know, you know, I'll be called elitist or whatever, but the, no, I have a deep connection with the actual artisans, which is really important because, and I actually kind of like finding a pin in my, in, I sort of know who's done it and I know who's, I know which, you know, I actually went up the first time I went to meet all the people, you know, I first had my first suit done there when I was 18 and a bit, when I was getting married, bizarrely. So they, wow. my, measure, my measurements haven't changed. So they, wow. they had all little bits of me. And I went up to me. I finally sort of said, I, you know, to, to the, the couture people, I, I actually want to, I really want to meet the people that they were all so thrilled. And they said, here's your arm and here's your body. And we've never seen your head. And, you know, oh. so nice to meet you. It was so great. So they became tremendous friends. And like all the tailors I get, because, I mean, I can sew, I can do lots and lots of things, but I know that there are people that can do it better than I can. So I mean, I used to, I used to make my own stuff when I was little. So, so what, but why not support the people that are doing it? I mean, you know, and then you have it for life. I'm still wearing the same jackets that I, mm. you know, made in 1990, 1990. Yeah. If you're brilliant enough and, and uh, no. disciplined enough to keep your no. figure svelte, I mean, that's that's not easy for uh, most people. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. Uh, but, you know, again, it makes sense because that's really investment dressing. And when we got into this whole business of, you know, quick, fast fashion, disposable clothes, I mean, just totally, you know, ruining the planet. Um, we really do have to think back to those times when you bought something that was of such high quality. You just kept it and kept it and kept it. And I've got them all, apart from the things I sold to fund the, the scholarships for Central St. Martins, which I started about 11 years ago. Wow. Which, um, you know, in the wake of all of that, I thought, well, how does this make sense? I, I leave the scene, but what else can I do? Yes, raise money for mental health mm. and give scholarships to people coming up. But I, I, apparently corporations are now doing it. I mean, they're a great deal richer than, than I am, but they, and they love to talk about it a lot. But I mean, I think people yeah. could do more, but they could yeah. do more for the artists. And, and I really liked I, I really like getting to know the students. And I like working with all the sort of, you know, with Valerie Steele and with <laughs> Central St. Martins and all of those. It, you know, for me, it's about the, the younger generation coming up. And certainly you work very closely with Valerie on that yeah. FIT show. Yeah, your magnificent <laughs> wardrobe. I mean, that was one of the most memorable oh, displays of wonderful, wonderful show. What was so good about? It, I mean, it was such a brilliant. All the people in the museum were so great. They became tremendous yeah. friends, and she's one of my best friends in the world. It was terrifying, though, and it mm. was also terrifying in context because how that show came about was. Um, I met her and then we met again. And then she said to me, would you be interested in doing a show? And I said, first of all, I'm, I don't really want to do a show about me. Why would anybody want to do a show about me? And she said, I think it'd be interesting. And she said, well, if you won't do it, will you ask your friend Alexander if he'll do it? And so I call up Alexander and I said, seriously, would you you know, do me a favor? Do you want to do this show in FIT? It'd be great. And they're really keen to have you. And he said, I think it's too soon for a retrospective. So me being very English or not English, I'm Irish, but sort of being very polite, I sort of called up Valerie. I said, I've got good news and bad news. I said, yeah, Alexander won't do the show, but uh, I will. So I thought it's two years away. It's not going to happen. Valerie's very efficient. And (laughs) and I ended up doing it. But he killed himself the the year that it. and then I had to deal with the two shows, the one up at the Met. 
and the, and FIT and so it was Savage Beauty at the Met, yeah, exactly, and uh, then, which so, was legendary, legendary, yeah. one of the probably the most well attended yeah. fashion um, shows ever exhibit exactly. ever. Exactly. So I had to, of course, lend a lot of things for that, but also I was dealing wow. uh, and dealing with the grief on top of it. So that was I was trying to portray that when I agreed to do that Barney's window. So I don't know, I didn't get paid to do that, but I thought I was, they wanted to do all. FIT windows, the mm-hmm. Barneys, and I um, said, well, actually, hang on a second. I think that Isabella should be represented in New York when Alexandra's show is mm-hmm. up at, I thought it was sort of poetic. And I said, and you know mm-hmm. what, you could leave one yes. one window and I could come in and out and I'll do a change and whatever. And, mm. you know, I did actually cry a lot during during the change because I was so upset by the whole sort of, and also it was terrifying getting changed in a window on Madison Avenue. I was so cross about how, you know, one, I'm sure you were too, the sort of the loss of first her, then him. For me, life made less and less sense. I mean, I had yeah. other people, but I just saw how people could get destroyed by corporations, really, essentially. And it was, he was about to, he was, he had a place at Goldsmiths. He was going to take it. He was going to take a sabbatical. You know, obviously the rest is is history, but I spoke to him the day he did it, um, and he seemed fine. That's what's so sort of awful. Hence, I ended up sort of, I just thought, I'm out, but I'm coming back in. I'm coming back in with my music. And also, they, getting back to what you were saying about the um, ready-to-wear, I think they don't often realize that some of the ready-to-wear is as expensive, if not more expensive, than having a basic jacket done mm. with, a, with, a, with a tailor. It actually, you know, when you see these prices at Gucci, so $15,000, $20,000, I mean, it's enormous. You could have something made for you by someone that you like, and you could choose the colors yourself. At every level, there is that option. I mean, certainly when I was a child and I didn't, you know, I I could make things out of whatever was in my, you know, I, I, I would, you know, cut things up of my mother's and make them into something mm. else. Every great conversation needs a pause, so this is a perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe that great fashion should be accessible to everyone. And TSC.ca is home to some wonderful Canadian brands and designers like Kim Newport Mimran, Brian Bailey, Kayla Kay, Ron White, and Hilary McMillan. And of course, TSE offers so much more than mere fashion. Discover quality Canadian jewellery and accessories from Pico, Brass and Unity, and I. You can find more Canadian designers and brands in the CAFA store at tse.ca slash CAFA. And let's all shop better together. Well, you are known to have uh, quite an incredible eye <laughs> and imagination, of course. And that's what's made you such a you know global style icon for so long. Talking about that for a minute, you know, I don't know, is it some kind of daunting responsibility to have people always looking at you that way and looking at what you're wearing? And do, do you ever, you know, are you ever thinking of disappointing people or or are you doing it to raise their spirits or are you raising it or are you doing it just to raise your own I'm raising my own spirits mainly and 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 having and having fun 
I'm in a sort of uniform when I work, very sort of black and white tails sort of. I have to be pulled together, otherwise I just can't function. I'm still kind of amazed when people pick me out. I mean, I obviously the shoes don't help, but... Um, <laughs> people were speculating um, that this, hopefully, if we ever really do come out of the pandemic, the way we're all praying that we do, that um, we will go back into this beautifully robust, exciting, glitzy way of dressing again, and, and clothing will become much more celebratory. And do you think that's necessarily the case? I mean, how have our times with COVID changed our approach to the way we feel about clothes? I mean, I can only speak speak for myself of how I I'm looking at fashion and what I will do in the not too distant future is is I've got to the point where I don't really want to have an opinion about something unless I can come up with a better idea. This is the same with the music. So I think I'm going to sort of start and for not to think I'm sort of quite far down. I was sort of going to make the perfect this and the perfect that and the and I'll just do a limited edition. I don't know when that will happen within all the music stuff, but I'm trying to make something that it built to last that can get us through not only the pandemic, but climate change, but also make you kind of, I've got all sorts of different ideas because I don't, you know, you need to get the structure. What up the long years I've spent in these, in these workrooms, it's about, it's the architecture of the, the human body and, and what, what kind of weight and what weight load, what's a perfect thing to kind of keep your posture straight. People are looking down rather than up people are sort of hunching forwards and it's it's actually sort of incredible for me it's about my health actually you know it's a posture is very very important and um <laughs> and that's 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 so once you've got that the basic sort of foundations and the architecture right then you can deck the rest is decoration mm. it, it, it really is you can decorate something any way you want but you you have to start from a very very basic and also something that just doesn't break. I mean, if I ever make something, I, it will have a sort of guarantee. I hate this inbuilt obsolescence. It's, it's, it just doesn't, you know, if Western civilization has come to this, well, I mean, it, one has to try and change it, even if it's in my tiny corner of the world. And, and I'm not going to charge a fortune. I'm going to try and sort of keep it real. Ah, uh, well, I'll be the first to invest in that clothing line. I don't know where to, you know, I'm trying to figure out where it's to be, but it has to be done to last. And because I don't want to rip anybody off, you know. I just have to quickly ask you, just because you bring up the idea of um, physicality and human form and the importance of that when it comes to great fashion, Terry Mugler, who we just lost, I mean, like, and especially because of his close association with Bowie, who you were so close to as well. How, how did that all affect you? And, and what, what do you think his well, uh, great legacy is? Well, I mean, I think his legacy is, well, he was so completely unique. And um, so much, he was having such a re- resurgence in the last years. I mean, you know, he was he was coming back with his, you know, because he was really, really, oh, it's, such a, it's such a shame. All of this, all those people who were so sort of future forward. I mean, there are very few people that can match that today, I find. But also I feel that, I don't know, it's more about, it is more about disposable stuff. I think it's less about elegance. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still me. I, I, but because I was living essentially, and I started thinking more about um, the sort of health aspects because during the last 10 years, I was rather ill as well. So I spent, you know, between records, I was sort of going from hospital to making a record, hospital yeah. to making a record. But I mean, I sort of managed to get through it, even almost dying. 
I, I tend to overwork. Um, mm. <laughs> well, you're passionate. <laughs> well, exactly. Nothing, nothing's wrong with work. <laughs> I I, exactly. Thing. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I thought very much about the sort of human form and, you know, having done life drawing and having sort of studied, you know, perspective and the golden ratio and all of those things. And, you know, it, it goes on and on. So, I mean, I gave all of these things a lot of masses of thought. I think it, it should come back because I think that's the only healthy way to for the planet to exist. And I think as, as human beings to be more, you know, to be more civilized, actually. Has it really come to that with the pinnacle of Western civilization is just plastic in the sea and sort of disposable cups. And it's kind of sad, isn't it? When you think about it. Horrifying. I think it shows a kind of a complete collapse in confidence, actually, mm-hmm. in the West. I'm, I, it is a crisis in confidence, but, you know, taste you can never... You can never question, and I'm not, I'm not giving any opinion on mm. that here because I'm not in a position to do that. I can only speak for myself. But there is, you know, obviously it's wonderful um, that there is a lot of new talent burgeoning, blossoming all over the place, and a lot of creative minds. Sometimes I look at stuff and think, oh, geez, can't they come up with a new idea? I've seen that before. It's a rehash. You know, where? Come on, let's go. But uh, you know, on the other hand, um, I'm also buoyed by the fact that there is an incredible amount of reverence for some of these masters of the past. I mean, any young fashion student will be, you know, the first to go on about the brilliance of McQueen or, or certainly now. like Yeah, yeah, now, that's like, true. That's true. So, you know, that, that, um, that's that's why I like hanging out with students. Yeah. Because yeah. they are so cool. They're the best and they've got the best sense of style and music and they're the most fun. I mean, yeah. all the teenagers. Yeah, I know it is. It is great, and there and, and it's nice to see that kind of level of respect. So, with all that being said, yeah, talk to me a minute about ageism in fashion. I mean, fashion has often been accused as what you know. Oh, it's a business that eats its young, and it's really you know all about the new and the next, and nobody really cares about the you know people from <laughs> days gone by. But you know, I don't know. Um, I find that especially with fashion students who are so passionate about yeah. uh, the metier, that they really do have a reverence for um, experience and uh, Yeah, yeah, I think established. so. So you I, haven't found that, or you don't find that with your, even yourself, you know, as as a woman of a certain no. age, you yeah. don't worry about that, think about that, or do you? Because I sort of absolutely, almost, I was almost dead um, four years ago. I sort of feel like every day that I live is kind of a, a, a gift. So you know, if I die, if I die today or tomorrow, I already have, you know, four more years of time since mm. that, that, you know, thank God for this very skilled surgeon. But anyway, I, yes, I mean, obviously one gets older and it's a hassle, but you know what? So does, but you know, we're still here together. If I was young, I wouldn't know you so well. I wouldn't have been through all of that. And to me, you know, it, it can be a beautiful thing too. I mean, my grandmother who died aged 94, in 2004 I mean she was so beautiful and so sort of you know elegant I don't think you need I don't I think beauty can be you don't need to try and look younger it just need to be, look authentic mm. yeah being as confident as it seems that you are oh, I, I don't know confident. some people admit to you know like neuroses and paranoias and insecurities wow. but you know for you to you know to really wear the clothes that you've worn over the years and to really pursue your passions the way you have i mean even 
for you to be recording an no. album at it's this not. particular it's time not. and stage. I know. That's confidence. Like, where yeah, do you get yeah. that from? Where does that come oh, from? Extreme unconfidence. I, what it comes from is coming from a place where I realize that I'm, that what I'm doing is not, it's, I know this is going to sound completely crazy, but um, I just need to keep myself in as good as, a good enough shape as possible mentally and physically in order to create things in a small way, in the right conditions, with the right people. My investments are with people and and it's sort of curating all the best, all the best things that I could possibly imagine and, and put them together. Because to, to me, it's a kind of team effort. I love the people I work with. Uh, they, all of them, they have a very, very unique and pivotal role. I, I You know, I don't have a big uh, organization at all. I mean, re- really, but it's, you know, but it, it, they are all absolutely, it's kind of like a very, very well-oiled machine. Mm. I don't even live anywhere. I'm a nomad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember spending time at Grouse Lodge recording yes. studio in 2015 uh, with my daughter, Joey O'Neill, who is a, a musician. And uh, it was a kind of a prize that we bought at an mm-hmm. auction associated with Isabella Blow. It, it, took place in Toronto, you mm-hmm. made that happen because <laughs> you had a very close relationship with the Patty Dunning. Patty, yeah, I love Patty. Patty. Who has That's... this gorgeous recording studio in, in the Irish countryside in Westmeath that apparently Michael Jackson recorded yes. at at one he, point. And he you was... were living there on that space yes. in, that, in a home near that yeah, studio yeah, yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's what that's when I went when I disappeared after 2011. Sort of, I um, disappeared out of the scene. That's where I went to record. That's where I found myself waiting for my guitar player to show up, and he never got he never showed up because he's a hippie. He didn't get the email. You know, I was sitting there, sort of looking at my watch, looking at Pat, Paddy and Pat, and sort of saying, I'm "Not sure if he's going to arrive." So we sort of, you know, chat became a song. Then I just I, I just moved back. You know. But Michael Jackson was the other the other tenant. He he lived in, in the house that I lived in for about a year. And he had apparently apparently he was so nice. And you know, a paddy all the all the Irish absolutely adored him. He had no security, no doctors, nothing. He had his children there and he had a wonderful time. And no one knew he was there. And they wow. kept they kept all the press away. They kept yeah. him safe. What do you miss most about the old days about your your friendship with Isabella, for example, who you were so close to, and she was such a gorgeous person. Oh my God, she the, the sort of perfectionist. I miss that sort of. Um, I miss her humor. I miss her. Um, you know, she she was so sort of unsnobbish and so sort of you know she was down to earth as well. I mean, she was sort of written off as an as an eccentric and sort of the thing with her was it was. It was just so awful. I mean, it really was awful the way the way that it, it all unfurled. And I miss I miss her humor. I miss her kind of enthusiasm, and I miss her kind of her generosity. There are very few people. I mean, because she she sort of would you know it, she bankrolled a lot of the things in the sort of way I did it. And she 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 really put all of her energy and her heart and her soul into the people that she believed in and you know she didn't know how to make a business deal she had no idea how to kind of deal with any and i had to be perfectly honest i mean i had a sort of near miss with one of those corporations and i i'm very lucky not to have a brand or a or a corporation or a record label or anything i mean it's 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 sometimes a little tough but it's in in another way I just 
I've had such bad experiences with business people. You can, you know, give them a handshake and they walk all over you. And that's what happened to her. And she died, and you know, because of that and sort of heartbreak from from all of the, you know, all of these things that she just didn't, she could, she's, you know, she, I would sit on her bed in the, in the hospital and she'd say, I just can't, I'll never see anything beautiful again. And to hear that coming out of her mouth was just so upsetting. To be as uncompromising, though, as you have been, because you have been uncompromising that you yeah. didn't have to, you know, you didn't get sucked into that sort of oh, deep, gosh. dark well of big business and, you know, and, and all that. By the skin of my teeth. I got very, very close to being, I mean, really damaged by that whole thing. At least I knew, I knew when to walk away and to sort of temper my expectations. I kind of, sort of thought, you know what, I, my, my position in all of this is actually quite fluid anyway. It's it's the right time to do a vanishing trick, and I can just go back to being a sort of pixie fairy in Ireland. You know, that's uh, no problem. No one's going to miss me. <laughs> I love that image. Um, how much, or if anything, did your kids? You've got three kids, right? Yes, I and do. Your, your eldest is uh, the same age as my eldest. How did they, or have they had anything to do with grounding you? They very, very much so. I love my my children are the best. I mean, I, everybody thinks their children are the best, but I'm so proud of my children. Um, my son, my eldest son is a writer. He's a sort of, he's a, an editor at the New Yorker magazine and he writes, he covers a lot of war zones and he's writing a book at the moment. Um, and my son Lex is, he's an artist, brilliant one. And my daughter has, I mean, he's done so many things. I mean, they, they're much more accomplished than I'll ever be. <laughs> yeah, I look at them and they, they have the education that I never had. Yeah. I got, I got married too young. Mm. Not too young, but I mean, very, very young. Yeah, I was. But, you know, I, but, I was. I was just nineteen. I was at school, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Well, but you know, again, I'm, like you say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But it's yeah, all yeah, part exactly. of the journey. It's a funny move. I kind of started too late, but I was a mother, you know, first and foremost. So everything, you know, everything got a little delayed. It's not about, at the end of the day, you want to make something really great and you want to have a good relationship with your friends and family. I mean, it's not about, no one's going to say, you know, people are going to remember that or hopefully, I mean, hopefully you can pass on something to of, of, of beauty, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a it's a big old mess in the corporate world, I, I, I see. Mm. And sometimes I hear some good things. Mm. Sometimes, mm. and sometimes I see some good shows, but yeah. you know, here we are on the, it was, I mean, the, the terrible thing is, you know, you read the, the newspapers and it's the pandemic and it's the war with Russia or it's like, or it's um, actually, I think art is the only response to that and to carry on. It's the only weapon I have left. Yeah. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> you are quite the warrior, Daphne, and uh, <laughs> quite the, uh, the inspiration of continuing to be such a bright light for so many of us. Just your positivity and, uh, of course, your artistry. Uh, we'll always see you through, I know. And oh, I hope you. so. And thank you, Daphne, for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for listening. New episodes of the podcast will be coming at you every other Monday. You can watch Style Matters Thursday on TSC or online at the tsc.ca website. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.